uh, we're going to bring some knowledge to you. We're going to bring some truth to you. And, uh, you know, that maybe we'll help you. Some things tonight I'm going to share that I don't have a lot to say on other than I'm making you aware of a couple things that's going to be taking place. You're going to see it on the news when it happens, and we just want you to know a little bit about it so that you go, okay, I know what that's about when you hear it because we really don't have a lot we can say because we don't know what's going to happen, all right? And that doesn't mean it's all bad. We just don't know. And, uh, but you're going to hear these things, all seven things we're going to talk about tonight. You're going to see on the news coming up. Some already are. Uh, once we started this, one's already been done, okay, of the seven things that was going to happen between June and September uh, that we know are going to take place. Now, what the outcome or what the uh, ramifications of them are going to be, some we have a good idea, some we have no idea whatsoever. And so everybody look at me right now instead of your paper. Thank you. Okay, I feel like I'm talking to the top of everybody's head. Okay, we're in the fifth grade. Put the papers down. No, no. And, uh, but um, here, here's, you're going to get two. And uh, did we pass both out? Okay, you've got one. Good. Hold the other one till the end or they will get reading that one and won't follow me at all. Okay, all right. And, uh, and so we will pass the next one out at the very end for you to take home with you. But we're going to talk tonight, and I need to get right into this. We're going to talk about seven events that uh, potential key events that will take place between June and September. How many knows the Bible is a pretty smart book? Amen. And God kind of knew what he was saying when he wrote it, all right? And there's some things that are going to be extremely clear in Scripture. I want you to know that my agenda being up here tonight is not political, though I will address and make some statements or comments or quotes. And anything I say tonight is not has no political agenda behind it. I just need to say some things to make a point, all right, so you can understand where we're going. And uh, because how many knows politicians make the laws of our land? And, and, uh, and we vote, and we, we pray for them, and we, we respect the offices of each one, and we pray for our leaders. But uh, I'm going to make some comments today biblically, prophetically, uh, socially. We're going to cover a lot of areas, so I want you to stay with me. I am not going to be able to answer all your questions tonight. Uh, we're going to try to get through in time that I can answer a few. But uh, what we're going to do is get through the, the material tonight, and if we see that there's an interest to continue, then we will continue this, and I will continue into deeper the first Wednesday night of next month. We'll just kind of see where we are, okay? And so uh, let's get started. Get your notes out, all right? And let's, let's look at what the Scripture has to say, say in Proverbs 22.3, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and they pay the penalty. The prudent. They see danger, and they do something about it. They, they don't just sit and go, whatever will be, will be. Uh, they don't do Murphy's Law. What can go wrong will go wrong. Uh, they don't dig a foxhole and wait and hope the rapture will rescue them. The, the prudent see danger, and they take refuge, but the simple keep going, and they pay the penalty. And 1 Chronicles 12, 32 says, The sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. And that's what we want to even really use this whole teaching about tonight. And join me, and we've got many people joining us on live stream right now. We're live streaming this, and come on, let's welcome our live stream off from many states, several states. God bless you. We welcome you. And, and uh, we've got several, several states that contacted us today and said, please live stream this. We can't be there. And so we welcome you. 
But I want to talk to you today because the Bible says the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times, they then knew what Israel was supposed to do. And, and so we want to try to just bring some understanding of the time. What's happening? What does it mean so that we as Christians know what to do? So seven potential events that will take place between June and September 2015. Number one, in your notes, you will see that on June the 26th, 2015, the United States Supreme Court in a 5-4 to four vote made same-sex marriage law in every state. Now, three weeks ago when we were looking at these seven things, that was the potential. It's already taken place, all right? And I shared this Sunday, Chief Justice John Roberts, in opposing the law, he said this. He said, it is striking how much of the majority's reasoning would apply with equal force to the claim of a fundamental right to plural marriage. What, what's the true ramifications? And, and let me just say this right now because we have gays and lesbians attend this church every Sunday. Gay couples, lesbian couples. There's gay people that come to this church that God has released from lifestyle. There's people living in the lifestyle. We're a grace church. We let you and God work out your salvation while we preach the truth to you. And, and we're not going to judge you. And I just want to say, if you're here and you're in a gay and lesbian lifestyle, you're in a safe place to come and hear about Jesus, and we welcome you. We really do, and, and we're family for you, and I want you to know that. And, and let me say that the news with the, the homosexuality issue are just like they are with everything else. They're going to go get the worst pictures, the worst things they can throw up there and try to make you think that every homosexual out there wants to march in a parade with their picture on a cross and, and blaspheme Jesus. And that's not the case. That, that they're still, we don't agree with their lifestyle biblically. But let's don't go judge everybody because of what we see a picture on a TV either. Okay? And that we walk with the grace of God because truth sets us free. But it must be truth covered in grace. Truth will, alone without grace becomes judgmental. And, and so we want both. Jesus said you've got to have both for them to work, all right? And so I want you to understand, if you're, if you're here and you're in that lifestyle, this night is not about attacking you. It's only one of the points we're going to talk about. We're talking about, as we said Sunday, a core value of the Christian faith that cannot uh, be touched. It cannot be changed. It's a core value of, of understanding what Jesus said uh, about sexual morality, and it's not a, just about homosexuals, it's about adultery. And, you know, that's if you're married and you're messing with somebody else, yeah, you're just as guilty. And it's about fornication, and that's sex before you're married, whether you're 15 or 55. If you're not married and you're having sexual relations, you're living in sexual immorality. So while you're out here going, preach to them homosexuals, I'm talking to you too. All right? So you get your pants up and then tell somebody else what to do with theirs. <clears throat> Did I say that? I don't know where that come from. I really don't. I did not practice that today. I really didn't. But that felt good to say it. I just want to tell you, that felt. All right, let's go. All right. Get that thing out of your eye, and then you can help somebody else see straight. All right. 
And so let's look at this. He says it is striking how much of the majority's reasoning would apply with equal force to claim of a fundamental right to plural marriage. And, and the reasoning behind the decision, what happens, one of the ramifications of it, as I said Sunday, is it, it gives every person who feels they were born a certain way the right to demand equal rights and acceptance, including uh, polygamy, marrying multiple partners, and we already see them flooding our courthouses, requesting to do that, bestiality, people are wanting to marry their pets, and that's happening right now, by the way, and pedophilia, where right now, organizations, listen to me now, I'm serious, a nation that forgets God is turned into hell, a scripture, and our streets and the atmosphere of our society has turned into hell because we're a nation that has turned its back on God and the core values of his word. And we've got to reverse that and stop trying to defend it. But do it in grace and in love, speaking truth. And, and here's what we got to see, pedophilia. That, that's where people have sex with, with infants. And there's organizations out there, and they are right now going publicly, going to our, our legislators and demanding equal rights, saying we were born this way. And just as a homosexual was born that way and got that right, we were born this way and we have a right to the same laws. And when you change the Constitution of the United States, it would be equal to changing the Word of God because it is the law of our land and no one has a right to touch it. No one. Tax-exempt status on 501c3 religious organizations will be removed. And, and we were just in a meeting listening to the lawyers of the Department of Justice. So this isn't, I'm not watching Fox News or CNN. This is listening to their attorneys that represent that side said that unless we change the bylaws of our our, our organizations that have 501c3 tax exempt, unless we change our bylaws to comply with the law of the land, we will lose our tax exempt status. Which means now we run the church just like a business and a corporation, which means that offerings are taxable, that you lose your tax exempt when you give, that if we sell a t shirt, you got to pay taxes on it. We now have to pay taxes on all the property, and the majority of churches will close. Because they can't financially handle that. Our mega churches will be looking at two and three million dollar a year in taxes. That's just on the property. That's not taxes on everything else. And so it has a massive repercussion upon churches, Christian schools and daycares that get government aid, where the, the families get government assistance. If that church run daycare does not change its bylaws to accept and say, we agree in same-sex marriage, they will lose the aid to the families that are coming to those daycares and schools, and they will lose over half their population. How many schools and daycares are going to survive? Pastors, we're being told right now that we will not be required to perform marriages on the same-sex couples, but attorneys on both sides, and Pastor Brad and I were just in a very intense meeting, attorneys on both sides have indicated that this will change very, very soon. That we're being told one thing, but we've been told things before, and it didn't turn out that way. And uh, we know it's just a matter of time that the pressure is going to be put on pastors. Right now, pastors are talking, and I was just in a meeting with a group of pastors. Pastors right now are talking about no longer performing ceremonies, no longer marrying people in their church. 
rather than risk that church being sued or them themselves going to jail and prison that just don't do them at all. And isn't that tragedy? And now many of our, uh, our uh, court, what do you call them, uh, where you go get married? Justice of the peace and places like that. I mean, do you see the news? They're saying we don't do them anymore. It's against my faith, and I'm just not going to do it. And, and so it's, it's, the ramifications are huge. Um, even if the law protects pastors from performing same-sex marriages, lawsuits, and here's what you've got to understand, the lawsuits can keep coming. And every time someone sets me up and says, will you marry me? And I go, no, my bylaws don't allow that. Well, we're going to take you to court anyway. I have to hire an attorney. So now you just keep coming and suing me until the church financially goes bankrupt. And so the ramifications of this law are far deeper than saying we want to give equal rights to, to same-sex marriage. It goes way, way deeper than that. So what are Christians to do? In this type of situation, get your pen, pencil out. These will be on the screen. They're not on your notes, but uh, just write understand. Just put understand somewhere on that paper. And here's some things that you need to understand. Number one, understand that elections have consequences. The marriage ruling was five to four, correct? Five Supreme Court justices ruled against four. And passed this law, two of the justices who voted to redefine marriage were appointed by President Obama. Now, stay with this is not an attack on President Obama, so I'll say don't take these things political. I want to show you something. The next president is expected to have the opportunity to appoint as many as four Supreme Court justices into office. How important would it be for us to really pray and know who God wants in that office if they have the ability to appoint four Supreme Court justices. When two just helped sway that was, that was put in by one president, what could four do? And so extremely important that we pray as Christians. I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm just saying you need to pray and ask God and vote accordingly if you want the proper laws passed in your land. Okay? Number two is understand that policy matters. Policy matters. We the people and our elected representatives in Congress and state legislators, we can make policy, say policy. policy. Doesn't that just feel strong, man? We get to. We can make policy that prohibits the government from violating our rights. And this is why the First Amendment Defense Act is so vitally important right now because if passed and signed into law, this act would prohibit the federal government from discriminating against us as Christian citizens, charities, schools, or businesses because we embrace the belief that marriage is the union of man and a woman, not a man and a man or a woman and a woman. And so what do I do? You need to contact your representatives and let them know that you support the First Amendment Defense Act. Don't sit and be idle. Contact your representatives and go, we support that and we want you voting for that. You with me? Because that gives us, the people, power to pass laws that tells the government, you can't tell us what we can and can't do in our state as a Christian. Number three, understand that states matter. I mean, it's glad you live in Pensacola, Florida, or Navarre, or just, 
I mean, it's glad you live where everybody else wants to come on vacation. All right? Okay? You've got to understand that your state matters, that if you are concerned about faith-based adoption agencies, which are being directly affected by this law, bakers, floors, photographers, how many are seeing that in the news, being fined $135,000 a pop because they're standing for what they believe are their Christian values, being fined or shut down for declining to celebrate a same-sex marriage, then you need to be concerned about state and local policy. State governors have the, the opportunity to issue executive orders preventing state agencies from discriminating or penalizing citizens or organizations that support the sanctity of biblical marriage. Our governor has that right and that power and that authority to issue an executive order that prevents discrimination from coming against Christian business owners or individuals that want to stand for the core values of their faith. State legislators can pass laws doing the same. What does that mean? You need to contact your governor's office and be a voice saying, hey, this is something you can do for our state and represent our, us, the people. Next is you got to understand ideas matter. Ideas matter. The judicial redefinition of marriage has no basis in our Constitution. The redefinition of marriage that was just brought down has no basis in our Constitution. Five unelected Supreme Court attorneys do not have the legislative authority to make such a decision. Do you know that only 1.7% of Americans support same-sex marriage and yet it just became law of the land because it was the idea of five individuals that weren't even elected into office and had no legal authority to make such a law, all right? And so redefining marriage is only possible in a culture that has accepted the results of a sexual revolution. Things like non-marital childbearing becomes norm. Sex before marriage becomes norm. Just sleep who you want to, boyfriend, girlfriend, next. I did a little experiment with some of our boys that I had in my house last week for three days and talked to them about getting the cup and let's get a toothbrush and let's put it in that cup and let's, let's let one of you use it and then give it back to me and we're going to wash it out real good. And then number two, you use it. Uh-uh. <laughs> Ain't happening, Pastor. That is not happening. I said, well, you didn't mind that with the fourth girl you was kissing. Because she done had four other boys' toothbrush in her mouth. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Just trying to help you think a little bit, you know. All right, we got to go. We got to go, all right? And so you got to come and realize that the sexual revolution, it created an atmosphere that allowed something like this to happen. On the same day that the court redefined marriage, Politico, which is a political journalism based out of Virginia, on the same day the law was passed, it ran an essay titled, It's Time to Legalize Polygamy, Why Group Marriage is the Next Horizon on Social Liberalism. It's next in line. And we as Christians, all right, 
must embrace our biblical core values and speak up on their behalf. We cannot just be silent. We're not here to fight the world. We're here to speak truth to the world. I love what Pastor Brad said in the meeting. He said, you know, love. Everybody's like, well, if you love, if you're a Christian, you love. And he said, well, if you're going to Mobile and you're headed to Jacksonville, i got two options. If I don't care about you, I'm going to let you get to Jacksonville and find out you ran out of 10. Okay, you ran out of real estate. You're wrong place. But if I love you, I'm going to tell you you're going the wrong direction. And if you really want to get to Mobile, here's how you get there. You need to turn around. And that's what we are as Christians. We're not here to judge somebody. We're saying, you know what? If you want to get to heaven with me, whether it's premarital, whether it's uh, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, hatred, bitterness, all these things that the Bible says can keep you out of heaven, if, if you're going that way and I love you, I'm going to tell you, if you want to get there, you got to turn around and go this way. It is, Brad. Good word. And so then, last of all in this, understand that our lives matter. Our lives matter. And that has no glitch with, with anything else. You'll see in a moment. Our lives matter. Living a life of biblical core values does more than anything we can say. Our lives, living out biblical core values, does more than anything we can get up and say. It is not just how we have uh, bought the lie about marriage is how we haven't lived out the truth about marriage. When 52% of marriages inside the church are ending in divorce, it's hard for us to go tell the world outside the church how they're supposed to have a good one. Now, I'm not beating you up or attacking you if you're going through the horrible circumstance of a divorce, but just like we have to preach on everything, we've got to preach on everything, and if you've been through one, you're the first one to get in line and go, you don't want to be there. All right? And so we've got to come and live. Our lives matter. Our lives, how we live outside the church matter because that's what other people are looking at. All right? And so while Americans are free to live as they choose, no one should demand that the government coerce others into celebrating their relationship. All Americans should remain free to believe and act in the public square based on their beliefs about marriage without fear or government penalty. Just as others have a right, we as Christians should have equal right to live by the core values of our faith without being penalized to do so. All right? Number two, the rest of them are not that long. This one I have very little to talk about, but you're going to see it on the news. You need to know about it. Uh, on July the 15th through September the 15th, there is a realistic training exercise known as Jade Helm 15. It will be conducted by the U.S. Army. Jade Helm is an eight-week joint military and an interagency unconventional warfare exercise. It is a U.S. Special Operations Command-sponsored exercise to improve the Special Operations Forces' capability as part of the national security strategy according to the U.S. Army Specialist Operations Command. And here's what's going to happen. More than 1,200 members of the U.S. military will take part in this operation. And what's to be expected? There will be increased military aircraft. What they're going to do is the government has selected several states. Here they are. You see them at the bottom of that paragraph that this drill, this operation will take place in. They include Texas, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, California, Mississippi, and Florida. And what's going to happen is they're going to send in military troops 
in groups, and they're going to come in, and they're going to practice military exercises with civilians in civilian territory. And so they're going to come in with tanks, and they're going to come in in their military garb, and they're going to come in with guns with uh, fake bullets in them, hopefully. They said they are, all right? And they are. I, I believe that. I'm just joking there, trying to get you to laugh in the middle of some serious stuff. All right, so what to expect? Increased military aircraft at night. There's going to be aircraft flying over certain areas of our state and other states. They're, they're going to be in a drill, all right? Noise, there's going to be noise going on, suspicious activity that is designed by the military to prepare military for complex environments overseas. Personnel or person uh, may be seen in public carrying weapons with blank ammo, and this will consist on military drills in civilian populated areas involving local citizens. And so there's questions on that I don't have the answers to. There's all kind of theories about it. You can't, please don't go Google all of this and believe everything you read on Google or you will dig a hole and die. Okay, so don't go home and do that, all right? You... You start listening and reading everything on Google, and next thing you know, you done got cancer or brain disease. You, you know, you're dead. You're just gone. So uh, don't do that. And if you start reading Google, they're going to throw out every theory and every opinion of every knucklehead out there that wants to call it. Anytime the government does something, even if it is good, they want to make it a conspiracy theory. All right? So be very, very careful with that. All right? This is a, a drill that is going to happen. There are concerns about it that I won't even go into now because they're theory. So I don't even want to sound like I'm making them the truth. So I just want to tell you so you know what's going to happen when you sit on the news or somebody shows up in your neighborhood in camo in a tank. You know what's going on, all right? Number three, you'll be coming to all of us who have gun permits. Okay, all right. July the 28th. On May the 28th, Reuters reported that 11 countries in the European Union were being given a two-month deadline to enact what's called the bail-in legislation. So the European Union, okay, all these European nations over, they, they have been given a two-month deadline to enact what's called a bail-in legislation. This is known as the Bank Recovery and Resolution Directive, BRRD, which seeks to shield taxpayers from having to bail out troubled lenders. Does that sound familiar in America? To bail out, it, it, it prevents, it seeks to shield taxpayers from having to bail out troubled lenders, forcing creditors and shareholders to contribute to the rescue of the bank so the bank doesn't shut down. Any nation that does not have a bail-in legislation in place by July 28th will face legal action from the European Commission. And here's the only reason we mention that. Number one, it's going to be in the news. But number two, here's the main question that is coming at that that has to be addressed is... Are the leaders of the European Union anticipating that another great financial crisis is about to hit that's causing them to say, we've got to do something that's going to prevent these banks from shutting down and repeat the financial disaster and collapse that they've seen happen in other countries because of the same thing? So are they seeing something in the future that we're not wanting to be told about? That's the concern there. And it flows into number four. That on September the 13th, and I'm going to take a few minutes on this one, this is something we know is going to happen. We don't know what the outcome is going to be yet, but we know it's going to take place because this happened as should be uh, since Mount Sinai with Moses. So since then to today, it's happened right on course. So how many things is probably going to continue on? That's a pretty good record, all right? This is called the Shemitah. 
How many's ever heard the Shemitah? Okay, we've got a few. All right, good. We've got some Jewish scholars in here. All right. September the 13th, this is the Elul, which is 29, which is on the biblical calendar, the last day of the Shemitah year. So September the 13th is the last day. The Elul 29 is what it's called in the Hebrew. It's the last day of the Shemitah year on the, the biblical calendar. Let me explain that to you. The word Shemitah means the release. That's God's desire. That's the purpose of the Shemitah is to bring a release at the end of every seven years to bring a release of debt, of, of anything that's owed to bring a release, but it can also mean fall, the collapse, or a shakening. The Shemitah begins at the time of Moses on Mount Sinai. Every seventh year since Moses on Mount Sinai, every seventh year or Shemitah, there would be a Sabbath year. So at the end of the Shemitah, seven years, say seven years. At the end of the seventh year, so you've got six years plus one. At the end of the seventh year, there is a time of rest that on the seventh day, the Lord what? He rested. And so on that seventh year, it is a year of rest that the land is to rest. It's not to be uh, harvested. It's not to be uh, farmed. It's to rest. And on the last day of that Elul 29, that final year, that final day of that last year, every seven years since Mount Sinai, God would look at Israel and go, you've been in obedience You've obeyed my word. There is a supernatural abundant blessing that's coming upon Israel, and he would bless them supernaturally. But if they were in disobedience, then there was a falling, a collapsing, or a major shakening that God brought upon Israel. And not only is it affecting Israel, it's affecting the world. Because it's the biblical calendar, and how many knows the Bible works everywhere? And so let me show you a few things. And so when we look at this, we've got to realize that, that God wants to come on that seventh year and his, his desire and his design for it was to wipe away all credit, all debt. How many would love for God just to come and just wipe everything just gone? Amen. Yeah, don't owe nobody nothing. Some of you would owe just as much in about seven days. If he wiped it out, oh, we can go do that again. Called discipline. Ain't that right, financial planners? Help me here. They should have got an amen in the corner over here. All right? And, uh, but we got to come. And so here's what God's plan was. His desire in creating the Shemitah was to every seven years just wipe out all debt and just let blessing come upon the people. But how many knows disobedience messes up everything? And, and so Israel got more negatives than they did positives. And so the Shemitah runs in cycles of seven years. At the end of a seven-year period, there would be either a release of tremendous blessing from God or a fall, collapse, or shaking, bringing horrible judgment upon the nation that is driving God out of its life. It is a direct effect on the economy. Listen to me, it has a direct effect on the economy. So we've got to connect this to the one that we just talked about with the European Union that's saying, we've we got this bail-in thing going on. Are they seeing something that's going to happen with the economy? Don't know, but could they? And is that what's going on in their decision with the bail-in, and then how it connects with the Shemitah, because you see at the end of every seven years, blessing or cursing comes, 
and it affects the economy of the land. It either produces a recession or depression is seen at the end of each Shemitah. Now watch this. The fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C., the Jews were in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. And here's what the Bible said. They were in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. The Bible says that it was based on how many Shemitahs they broke. Their judgment of captivity for 70 years was the result of the end of 10 Shemitahs. They were still in disobedience. When's the church in America going to wake up and let's get out of the judgment cycle and let's get back on the blessing cycle? The core value cycle, all right? The stock market crash in 1929, that was the Shemitah. Third largest market crash in history in 1937 and 38, that fell on the year of the Shemitah. The Great Recession in 2007 and 8 fell on the Shemitah. September the 11th, the terrorist attack on our twin towers and Pentagon, guess what it fell on? Shmia. Time of judgment when your country's in disobedience. Every one of them fell on the date of the Shmita. Many are concerned about the date of September the 13th because the last five U.S. economic collapses took place on the Shmita, including two giant stock market crashes on the last day of the previous last two Shemitah cycles. Watch this. In 1973, crash. Guess what year it was on? Shemitah. Guess what nation was getting judged by God? America. 1980, market crash. Guess what year it was on? Do you see 73 and 80? How many years in between? Shemitah. 1987, crash. Guess what day it was on? Shemitah, seven years apart, right? Do you see a pattern? September 17, 2001. So you got 87 to 2001, 14 years, two Shemitahs. So the thing is, at the end of a Shemitah, God can either bless or curse. He doesn't have to do anything. And in between that one, nothing happened. But 14 years later, two Shemitahs later, the Dow plummeted 684 points, which was the worst one-day crash in U.S. history. Now watch this. September the 29th, 2008. 2001 to 2008. Guess what is falling on? Shemitah. Exactly seven years later. And here's the thing. Exactly seven years later to the same day to almost the same hour. The Dow fell 777 points in one day, which is the greatest one-day stock market crash of all time. Because God's judgment was upon this land. Instead of blessing us, he had to punish us. Because the nation that forgets God is turned into hell. And so the question is, will the cycle continue on September the 13th? We don't know. We don't know. We know what's happened up until now, but September the 13th is the day of the Shemitah. And so we see. Now, watch this. Seventh Shemitah. What does that mean? Seventh Shemitah means seven times seven is 49, and then it's the year after the Shemitah, which is year 50, which is the year of Jubilee which means that God brings restoration of all things. 
Total restoration. Now, now watch this. 2,000 years ago, Israel lost her land. In 1917, the Balfour Declaration, where Britain gives the land back to Israel, that was the Shemitah. It took place. But in 1967, 50 years later, okay, year of Jubilee, the restoration or rebirth of Israel took place on the Jubilee. God gave restoration of all things back to his people. Y'all with me? Nod. Okay. Guess when the next Jubilee is? Anybody want to add 1967 to 2015? When we get into these time frames, we're getting close, folks, that we're seeing that God is saying, here, here's what, what we get out of that. There's one of two things that, that biblically is about to happen in America. It's called a revival or a rapture. I'll take either one. One or two is about to happen in America. There's going to be a revival or there's going to be a rapture. And how many knows, let's get ready for one or the other. Because we're seeing a pattern, a biblical pattern that cannot be denied. And how many wants America blessed? And we've got to begin to pray and seek the face of God. Number five. Is this helping y'all? Number five is September the 15th. Very important day. For on September the 15th, the 70th session of the United Nations General Assembly begins on this day. All right, the United Nations General Assembly. How many knows that's about as anti-God as you can get, the United Nations? All right, their General Assembly begins on this day, September the 15th. It is reported that France plans to introduce a resolution which would give former UN Sec Security Council recognition to a Palestinian state. And when they're, what they're trying to do now is get through the United Nations that the Palestinian people are recognized as a state in Israel, which would also grant them half of Jerusalem for their capital. And you don't mess with Jerusalem because she's the capital of one people, and that's the Jewish people in the state of Israel. Here's why it's important. Until now, the United States has always been the nation that has blocked this resolution. Up until now, every time this, this is not the first time this resolution has been presented at the UN. Up until now, every time this, this resolution has been presented to, to acknowledge the Palestinians as a state within the state of Israel, it's been the United States that has stepped up and blocked that resolution but President Obama is indicating that the United States could go the opposite direction of that this time. Now, again, that's not a personal attack. I'm saying we need to be praying for our president that he doesn't do that because the ramifications of that decision will be huge upon the land of America, according to Genesis 12:3. That I will bless those that bless the nation of Israel and I will curse those that curse the nation of Israel. You say, well, how does that really affect America? Let me put it to you like this. On April the 19th, for the first time in history, Washington announced publicly to the world that America would no longer automatically stand beside Israel as an ally at the United Nations. First time ever that has ever been publicly stated. 
The next day, the deep horizon blew up in the Gulf and gave America our worst natural disaster in our history. You don't mess with Israel and expect the blessings of God on your land. And we need to be praying hard, praying hard for our president and our leaders that at this meeting, at the United Nations, that we stand firm with Israel. Here's President Obama's comment at the 2008 APAC speech. He stated, and I quote, But any agreement with the Palestinian people must preserve Israel's identity as a Jewish state, which Abbas, the president of the Palestinian people, has publicly said that they will never do. They will never acknowledge Israel as a state. All right? So President Obama said, But any agreement with the Palestinian people must preserve Israel's identity as a Jewish state, which secure, recognize, and defensible borders. And here's what he said. Jerusalem will remain the capital of Israel, and it must remain undivided. And we must pray that he stands to that word because the future of this nation depends on how we deal with that nation called the people of Israel. Are you with me? And so that's, I'm not making that political. I want that to be spiritual because I want to understand, pray. Look at your neighbor and say, pray for our president. Pray, pray for our president that, that we stand firm as an ally to Israel. Number six, September the 25th to September the 27th, the sixth thing that's going to happen is the United Nations is going to launch a brand new sustainable development agenda for the entire planet. Wouldn't the United Nations just want to get in everybody's business? Some call this Agenda 21 on steroids. This new agenda is not just about the environment. It also includes provisions regarding economics, agriculture, education, and gender equality. On September the 25th, the Pope will travel to New York to give a major speech kicking off the United Nations Conference where this new agenda will be revealed. Agenda 21 presented at the Earth Summit held in Brazil in 1992, according to the United Nations website, Agenda 21 is a comprehensive plan of action to be taken globally, nationally, and locally by organizations of the United Nations system, governments, and major groups in every area in which humans' impacts are made on the environment. And, and here's what the concern of some, and this again is a concern. I'm not here to say what's going to happen. But here's one of the major concerns. You're going to see this on the news. You're going to start hearing about it, so we want to give you some information on it. Many believe that the purpose of Agenda 21 is the United Nations seeking to co-op individual governments and eventually produce a one-world government. That many believe that this is the full intention of this whole Agenda 21 is to produce and bring the world into a one-world government. Agenda 21 has laid out plans for depopulation and population control. It would require massive funds to be channeled from developed countries that would be required to give to underdeveloped countries, so multiple, multiple funds would be taken from countries like America, uh, whether they wanted to or not, and fund uh, underdeveloped countries. And there's a key word on the website of the Agenda 21, and it's called sustainable development, and it creates a concern. Again, I'm talking theory here. We don't know what's going to happen. We're just telling you what some concerns are, and that is according to the UN website, it is development that meets the needs. This sustainable development 
is development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. And what some analysis say is that in this Agenda 21, the main, one of the main concerns is this, that it would give the United Nations the authority to tell you where you can live and what land you can own. And to give an example, one of the examples that they're showing on this, and, and this I didn't pull this up on some Google thing, okay? This is some uh, meetings that we were in and some very strong, strong information from some very uh, trustworthy uh, places uh, that one of the things in the Agenda 21 is called rewilding plans. Save the earth. Save the earth is one of the agendas in there. And it's under what's called rewilding plans. And this is to rewild America through wildland projects. And what they would do is they would literally remove human beings from certain areas of the country where no one would populate it anymore. And that land would now belong to the United Nations. And no one would be allowed back on that property. And so that's scary, isn't it? And, and so I'm not saying that for you to go board up your house, you know, and get your guns out. Don't do that. All right? What we're saying is you're going to start hearing about these things on the news, and we need to be praying for our country. And you need to start doing a little research and know that these are important things that are fixing to come up, and go ahead and start doing some research on your own. Okay? But don't believe everything you read on Google. All right? And then number seven, last of all, and oh, by the way, the Agenda 21, there's a bipartisan resistance to that. Uh, both Democrats and Republicans are going, red flag, hold up, back off. You know, we don't want to go there. All right? So give them both a hand. Amen. You know? Number seven, all right, the last one we want to talk about tonight is the blood moon. Anybody heard about the blood moons? Okay. A blood moon is when the earth comes between the sun and the moon and it creates a specific and special eclipse. The sun shines through the atmosphere of the earth and casts on the moon a red shadow which makes the moon appear to be red. The teaching of the four blood moons states when four consecutive, four consecutive blood moons fall on Jewish feast days, a major event affecting the Jewish people will occur in a close proximity of that time. So whenever you see four blood moons take place simultaneously on Jewish holidays, it's rare that it happens. It's only happened seven times in 500 years. But when it happens, something significant is going to happen to the Jewish people that God's got planned. And so let's look at this. The four blood moons appeared, number one, on April the 15th, 2014. It, it took place on the Passover. The second blood moon took place on October the 8th, 2014, on the Feast of Tabernacles. The third blood moon took place on April 4, 2015, on the Passover. The fourth blood moon is going to take place on September the 28th, 2015, all right? And this falls on the biblical festival. This blood moon falls on the very first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, it will be what they are calling a supermoon, and it will be so visible in the city of Jerusalem. There are many that dismiss the blood moon phenomenon, but similar patterns have definitely been seen before. For example, a similar pattern of eclipses happened just before and just after the destruction of the Jewish temple by the Romans in 70 AD. It's a pattern. I mean, the Bible gives us patterns. And so two blood moons took place already in 214, right? We just gave them to you. 
immediately after both blood moons took place in this cycle of the four blood moons, major events began to take place immediate in the nation of Israel. Number one, a war between Israel and Hamas started. Everybody remember that? I was on a plane. Myself and 52 pastors were flown to Israel in the middle of that war to meet with Prime Minister Netanyahu and let him know that Americans were praying for him. And then what was the second one? The rise of ISIS. ISIS showed up out of nowhere, and bam, here they are, the most, one of the most feared organizations in the world now. What did they follow? Blood moons. Four blood moons within two years has only happened seven times in 500 years. Experts say that after 2015, we will not see another one for the next 100 years. The fourth blood moon could signify, and according to history it does, that something really big is about to take place in Israel. Joel 2, verse 30 and 31 says, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming and dreadful day of the Lord. And let me say this before we close here. The only reason Iran will not acquire a nuclear bomb will be that Israel chooses a military solution to stop it. If Israel does not stop Iran, Iran will produce a nuclear bomb. Nobody else is going to touch Iran. But Israel will. Israel's the one army you don't want to mess with. And so if that's the case... We've got to look at something now because if something major is getting ready to happen in Israel, there's a thing going on in Israel right now. Anyone heard this thing called peace agreement? It's kind of scriptural, isn't it? About, you know, seven-year peace agreement. Now, we're a church that teaches pre-tribulation. How many would like to go into rapture before it all cranks up? Okay, I'm a pre-trib guy. I've got friends that are mid-trib and some that are post-trib. And I tell them, you can believe what you want, but, you know, when, when we're going up, I'm going to wave at you and say, told you so, told you so. <laughs> yeah. All right? But I'm a, I'm a pre-trib guy, and I've got biblical reasons to believe that. All right? But the pre-tribulation teaches that the church will be raptured before, say before, before. Before. Now, we're talking about the blood moons, right? Something big is about to happen in Israel. How many knows Israel is the map to the world? Israel is the compass to what's going to happen around the world. Israel. Something big, according to this fourth blood moon, is about to take place in Israel and what's all over the news. Peace treaty. With who? Israel. We're pre-trib, right? Which means we believe the rapture takes place before the signing of a peace treaty. So if this is the peace treaty referred to in the book of Revelation, and we are pre-rapture, I mean pre-tribulation, if this is the peace treaty, and the rapture takes place before that peace treaty is signed, you might want to know that you're ready to meet Jesus if it comes. Because I'm about you, man. I'm ready for me and my little grandson to get to heaven and be well. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready. I'm, I'm looking forward to this thing. The Bible calls it our blessed hope. Let me go. I've got to close here. All right? And so at this point, all true Christians, pre-tribulation teaches that the church will be raptured before the seven-year peace treaty is signed with Israel. At this point, all true Christians are raptured into heaven.
We believe the rapture takes place before the signing of the peace treaty. If we believe that, should we not be preparing our hearts for this major event that could very well, I'm not saying the rapture is going to happen in September, but it might happen in July. That's right now, by the way. Some of y'all are like. That's now, folks. Because nothing biblically has to happen for it to take place right now tonight. Everything's been done. But somewhere in the time, in that zone of time, something major is going to happen regarding Israel, the Jewish people, and anything that regards her affects the world. So we've got to prepare our hearts. Why? Why do we want to prepare our hearts? Because you don't want to be here then. Now I'm going to just give you a five-minute scope of why you don't want to be here. Because when the rapture takes place, how many plan on going up in that with me? All right. If you don't believe in it, you will then. After we are raptured, the Antichrist will rise up as a political, economic, social, and religious solution to mankind. And the Bible says the spirit of the Antichrist is already on the earth. And boy, do we not see that. That's what you're seeing through the United Nations. That's what you're seeing when laws are being passed that, that rip apart the core values of the Word of God. That's the spirit of Antichrist. All right? And so he's, he's going to come with a solution to solve, man. There's 166, the number of the Antichrist, 1-6 is an economic leader, 2-6 is a social leader, 3-6 is a, a religious leader. He engulfs all three. He represents the three. He will then turn. So he, he's going to come and he's going to have all the solutions. One world government we just talked about. Guess who's going to run that thing? Yeah, the Antichrist. And he's going to have the solutions to the world. And everybody's going to embrace him and love him. And for three and a half years, he's going to be everybody's hero. They're going to love him to pieces but because they're going to sign a seven-year peace treaty. But at the end of the three and a half years, he's going to break it. He's going to violate it. And then he's going to announce to the world those that are still here on this earth, which is not me and you, I hope. They're going to have to make a decision there. And he's going to tell them that you can deny Christ publicly and take this mark of the beast on your forehand or your forehead, or we're going to cut your head off right now. Have we not been being prepared for this by ISIS taking off the heads of Christians that refuse to deny Christ? He's, he's trying to tell us something. And the Antichrist is going to come and say, you take the mark of the beast or you lose your head right now. And those who refuse to deny Christ will have their heads cut off on the spot, Famines are going to break out all across the world. Plagues are going to fall. Warfare will break out. Devastating earthquakes will cause massive destruction. Hell and fire is going to fall from heaven at the same time. How many knows hell and fire don't mix? You don't get them at the same time, but when God's in charge, you do. It will destroy almost all of the plant life. A massive meteor is going to fall from heaven into the ocean that's going to kill most of the sea life. Sun and moon will be darkened. Demonic locusts, the Bible says, will attack and torture all of mankind left. A demonic army will be released that will kill one-third of mankind. Painful sores will be released on all humanity. Rivers will be turned to blood. And the list goes on and on and on. Have I said enough that would just make you maybe go home tonight and go, we're going to fix some things and make sure we're going up? 
Revelation 19 then says, after being in heaven with Jesus for seven years, because we're, we're celebrating seven years of peace, while the world's going through three and a half years of hell, we're in heaven with Jesus celebrating, just stay with me, they'll take care of that we're celebrating these seven years of peace, and then all of a sudden, God's going to stand up in heaven, and he's going to say, Jesus, mount up, because today's the day. It's going to happen one day. And we, the faithful, we're going to mount up with Jesus. And we're going to come back down to this earth from heaven to establish his kingdom on the earth. And then there's going to be this thing called the battle of Armageddon. Because we're going to come back from heaven after seven years of peace while all hell's breaking out on the earth. We're going to ride from the heavens back with Jesus down to this earth because the Bible says that the Antichrist is going to stand on the top of Mount Olives and he's going to point his fingers up into the heavens and tell the demonic or, or the angels of heaven, I told you you should have followed me. I told you that I was going to rule this earth. I told you that I was going to have domain on this earth and I'm going to rule and reign it. And he's going to blaspheme the name of God and curse God and God's going to get ticked. And you don't want to tick God off. And God's going to tell his son, mount up. And he's going to mount up and he's going to gather us with him. And we're going to come back down to this earth. And, and on the way down, the, the Bible says that we're going to follow him. And on his thigh is the words, King of kings and Lord of lords. And, and we're going to come down and, and we're going to come right over this thing called Israel. You know, this place called Israel. And, and there we're going to see something very happen. And there's this valley of Megiddo that's there in Israel. It's 200 miles long. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is going to lead us over the valley of Megiddo, this 200-mile valley. And there's going to be millions of soldiers on horses that have come to defy the army of God. But the Bible says we don't even raise a sword or a spear because when God over that army of, of evil and wickedness and sin and antichrist and the false prophet and Satan himself, that Jesus is going to open his mouth and his word alone is going to be like a sword that's going to devour the enemy. And the Bible said there's going to be millions of horses and people who are going to be slain in a second at just the word of God. And it's going to be so brutal that the blood's going to fill a 200-mile valley that's going to be so high it reaches the bridle of the horses. God's going to end it. You and I are going to come back to this earth. We're going to set up his temple and we're going to rule and reign with him on this earth for a thousand years. And we win. So what am I saying to you tonight? There's some stuff going on. Some stuff going on. And what's our job? Look at the bottom of your page, and I've got to close. I hope this has helped you. Is awareness. We need to be aware. We need to be aware. We need to be knowledgeable. Don't, don't be asleep. The Bible said to watch and pray. Watch, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Be alert. Be aware. Number two is have an alert. Be a voice. Alarm people. Don't alarm them with fear. Alarm them with expectation. Alarm them with hope and take action. Get involved. Be a part of the solution. Be a part of the answer. 
67% of this community does not attend church anywhere. Nowhere. They're lost. They're hurting. They're empty. They're waiting on people like you and I that really believe in the core values of the book. That we believe that we are the answer and the solution to man's problem. Christ alive inside of us. It's not the time for the church to just have good church on Sunday and do nothing throughout the week. We've got to make a difference. Our teenagers are lost, man. They're so empty. They're so broke. They're, they're so confused out there today. And this law that just got passed confused them more. We, the church, have got to have a solution. Families are broken. Homes are a mess. And we've got to bring it back together and let God heal it. Let's throw away our pride and our fear. Let's let God do something awesome and powerful in our lives. So watch and pray. Watch and pray. This isn't time to get fearful. Now, I had some folks go, Pastor, I can't come to that because this scares me, and I understand. But that's not going to change what's happening. So we've got to come and really grab hold of, you know what? I'm going to leave you with this. All these thousands of years, they've tried to wipe Israel off the map. And they hadn't done it. And they're not. And can I tell you, the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that has the back of Israel has mine and your back tonight too. And no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Are we going to deal with some stuff? Yeah. You know what? We may be out of here quicker than we think. And let us live every day, not like September's the day, but let us live every day like today's the day, waiting for our coming Lord in Jesus' name. They're going to get another paper, and here's what I'm going to let them do. They're not going to pass that out. They're going to have that for you to pick up, and here's what it's going to have. Do we have those back there, Todd? Okay, we're going to have those at the door, and that way you can just pick them up. And they're going to give you some ideas because here's what I'm telling you, and I don't want you to get all fearful and all freaked out. That's why I didn't want you to have it. Because if you got it first, you'd be going, oh, God, we're all dead. We're dead, we're dead, we're dead, we're dead. No, we're dead. I want you to read it that way, all right? All it is is a help guide because how many knows it could be any, it could be a hurricane because we're in hurricane season. Preparation. That what if there's an economic crisis? What if we do have an economic crisis? Wouldn't it be better to be prepared and it not happen, then not be prepared and it happen. And so we want to encourage, I want to encourage you as a pastor, there's some precautions that you need to take. Here's just a couple simple ones. You need to, you, you need to start saving 10, 15, 20 bucks a week if you don't have it in your bank now. And you need to get some cash on hand that you hide in your home. Because if an economic crash takes place, you can't go to your bank and get any money. If a hurricane comes and knocks out our electricity, how many's tried that? Ain't no money. I don't care if you got a million dollars in there. You ain't getting none. And so you need some cash on hand just in case. Any crisis. You need to have 30 days of non-perishable food somewhere that you can get your hands on. Now, if you don't have any Lay's, she's a, she cans enough for all of Pensacola. So, you know, and uh, go to Lay's house, all right? But no, don't go there because she'll get on to me. But anyway, but you need to store. Kathy and I are doing that. We've done it and we're continuing to do it that we're going to have more than 30 days because here's what God challenged us is that we don't want to have enough for us. I want to have enough for my neighbors because they're not planning. And boy, what a time to share the gospel when they have no food and you do. All right, you pray, you get some, all right? No, I'm just kidding. You believe in Jesus now? <laughs> no, but 
Isn't that what the Christian's supposed to do is take care of our neighbor? And I want to challenge you. We're going to give you a brochure that's going to show you some just basics of what to have and how to do it. It's not to freak you out. It's not to say the world's going to end next week. It's to say it could be a hurricane. It could be an economic crisis, downfall. It could be a crash. It could be anything. But let's be ready if, so that if it doesn't, it's okay. So that we can be the light of the world, not out there trying to get somebody to turn our light on. Amen. Y'all receive this tonight? Amen. All right, I hope this helps you. I want you to stand with me.